HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Zapotitlan de Vidio is a community of some 6,000 people in south-central Jalisco. There is a long and strong history in this community of traditional agriculture, what's now being called regenerative farming, what used to be called simply farming, and still is for many of the locals. But that history is at risk of disappearing. Sacred is supporting the build of a 4,000-square-foot public library in this community. The focus of the library will be regenerative farming, with a large portion of the collection being selected by local vinateros like Salvador Partida. On our exploratory trip there last year, Salvador told us that nature is coming back. Animals he hasn't seen in years are returning to his pesticide-free, diverse farming spaces. This library will be located on the campus of Escuela Secundaria Tecnica Number 38. It will be accessible to the public, though staffed by the middle school, which will also use a couple of the rooms as additional classrooms to help mitigate overcrowding. As a resource for Zapotitlan de Vaidio, as a resource for the students at the middle school, situated next to the school's greenhouse to support the agricultural classes, and with the support of the multi-generational wisdom of local vinateros, this library could make all the difference in what the future of agriculture looks like in this heritage community in southern Jalisco. Sacred is both humbled and proud to be able to help support the future of regenerative agriculture in Zapotitlan de Vaidio, and it's all made possible by a grant from 818 Tequila. To learn more about this library and the other projects 818 Tequila is funding, please visit us at sacred.mx. That's sacred.mx. The earth is home to all of us, and we're honored to have been selected by 818 Tequila as their partner in making it a more welcoming home. I am Luke Bank. I am Chava Ferivan. And this is Agave Road Trip, the award-winning podcast that helps Gringax bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. Yes, and today we have another episode with our very special guest. I'm actually realizing these are my favorite episodes, Lou, because I finally have someone to whom I can ask my 
uh, precise questions, and I can. You can have ask me all of your precise questions. Yeah, I but... won't. I won't have <laughs> answers for them, but you can ask me anything you want. However, you're going to get a much better answer if you ask Cocktail MD Ryan Acock. Welcome. Hi, welcome. How you doing, Ryan? <laughs> welcome to the show, Ryan. So today, uh, there's something that I wonder. You know, when people travel to Mexico, they get super like conscious about not eating some fresh stuff in the street, right? Lou always says that the most oh. dangerous thing in Mexico oh. is fresh lettuce. Or fresh lettuce. Like fr- the lettuce. Do I will not touch the <laughs> lettuce. And that's exactly right. Like, give, well, actually, bef- I, you know, I'm vegan now, but before then, I would eat any kind of meat anywhere in any, you know, like off of anything in Mexico. But I would never touch the lettuce. And even cilantro makes me a little nervous. But God, you see the cilantro and the onion cut up together, and it looks so beautiful and it's hard to pass that up. And chiles, I feel like chiles are invulnerable to all things. So I would eat the chiles. Um, but and and everything else that was raw, I would avoid, except you've also got and maybe this isn't everywhere in Mexico, but most places I've been, you've got these um, little stands for fresh squeezed juices that uh, I uh, yeah, yeah, love. Yeah, 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 yeah. The orange juice in Mexico is not the orange juice that we get no. up here. Yeah, you guys. So, yeah, you, you, you like it. It's like having the ultimate raw. Like I will say, we are more fortunate to have beautiful orange juice in Mexico than raw fish in Japan. That'll be my statement. <laughs> yeah, I would actually agree with that, having never been to Japan. So I, you know, I guess what I'd love to talk about this episode, Ryan, if you are prepared for it, is uh, both the dangers of eating these raw things on the streets in Mexico. And the dangers of using these raw juices and other raw ingredients in cocktails uh, in Gringex bars. Sure. Yeah, so the the immediate danger to just about anything you eat is, am I going to get sick from this from a foodborne illness? And, and, the, and the sickness specifically is what? Mostly gastroenteritis. <laughs> So you're going to be vomiting and, and having diarrhea. That's that's the sickness for a lot of these are things. There, are, are there different forms of that, or is it really just one thing? It, it gets lumped together, but there are certainly different bacteria that cause different problems like E. coli and salmonella. And what you really – and so that's where traveler's diarrhea comes from. You, you eat something that has E. coli on it, and you're going to get diarrhea for a day or two, and for the most part, you're going to be okay. What you don't want is for certain types of E. coli that come with – what's called shigatoxin or certain other elements that now you're not only having diarrhea, you're having bloody diarrhea and that's called dysentery. And that can be dangerous. <laughs> you know, I said, I said at the beginning of this, that these are my favorite episodes, but I, I have forgotten what happens in the middle of all of them. Jesus. I gotta say, I'm, I'm embarrassed that the first time the phrase bloody diarrhea shows up on a Gavi road trip, it didn't come out of my mouth. <laughs> I'm Good embarrassed, Lord. Ryan. Okay, so so oh, that's interesting. And bloody diarrhea, much more dangerous than regular diarrhea. Yeah, so if, both, if you've got... Both for the person who is doing it and the person who's receiving it. <laughs> probably so, probably so. So, yeah, dysentery can be quite dangerous and, and is often difficult to treat because some of those bacteria you can't even give antibiotics for because now you can have a release of toxin from the, the bacteria itself and now you've got a much more dangerous situation. So, we, so we'll so we try to avoid getting dysentery and try to avoid getting traveler's diarrhea by trying to keep safe when we eat our fresh juices. 
But okay, so, but how do we do that? Like, you, yeah, if, yeah. if I'm hearing you correctly, it's funny because you're saying all this stuff, and I'm picturing somebody traveling around rural Mexico like me, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, we could get that bloody diarrhea. There, I've said it now. Uh, you could get that bloody diarrhea uh, by drinking a cocktail at a place that didn't take care of their their fresh squeezed fruit. Is that right? Maybe so. It Bacteria loves to grow on just about any surface where it can find a suitable source of food. And so fruit is mm. certainly a good example of that. And your fruit can can spoil either through the whole fruit or if you freshly squeeze it, letting it sit out for a prolonged period of time. So if you're mixing it with high enough proof alcohol, maybe in theory the bartender can kill off some of the bacteria that's in your fruit juice before you consume it. I wouldn't want to take that risk, but but at the end of the day, if you've got a high enough bacteria load on whatever you're consuming, you can still get quite sick from it. Is that is that your way of saying that you don't drink cocktails made from fresh squeezed uh, fruit? Oh, I absolutely. You want the fresh squeeze. You want it squeezed right there at the moment of, of service, or you want it to be at least squeezed earlier in the day and put in a refrigerator. You do not want old squeezed juice that's been sitting out for a while. Okay. So, and how, how, what do you call old? Like what, what is the lifespan of a, yeah. of a fresh squeezed juice and which is the proper way of taking care of it? You say a refrigerator yeah. where I'm sure there's other other right. Stuff. So let's, let's start at the very beginning. So with the fruit itself. So for citrus fruits mm. like oranges, lemons, limes, you want to wash that peel before you do anything else. So you need a large volume of running water running over it, as well as you can also use a little bit of mild detergent and try to scrub that peel to try to get off any bacteria that's already sitting on it. Can you, can you use alcohol? Seriously, like, like, cause I'm thinking, no, I'm serious. Like I, I think about when we're traveling through uh, Mexico on our agave road trips, Java, right? Like it's, it's not uncommon for us to see a stand where they've got fresh produce and I love grabbing avocados and I love grabbing fresh fruit, oranges, bananas, um, and and we oftentimes don't have a ton of water to pour over it. If we pour puntas or pour some of the other agave spirits uh, on top of it that we've picked up on the trip, does that do the job? So uh, how much alcohol are you carrying on these trips? Oh, <laughs> well, uh, healthy amounts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, we've got a ton of it. We've got liters you want in gallons? Do you want in gallons or liters? <laughs> <laughs> but But no water. That's what you're telling me. Oh no no we can't uh, no, like a you know, we'll have a well, yeah like a liter and a half bottles of water sure but it seems like the alcohol is going to do a better job of killing the bacteria won't it all right so hand sanitizer has sixty percent alcohol by volume in it so if you're drinking a eighty proof or forty percent alcohol by volume mezcal or tequila you're probably not having enough alcohol so you'd have to carry around cask strength. Or fresh oh, no, off we the tend to oh, okay. 70 percent puntas. Seventy yeah. percent. That's yeah, how yeah. much is in there. Okay. hundred and forty yeah. proof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, well, yeah, then in that case, sure. Pour it all yes. over your fruit like a waterfall, and it'll probably kill off everything that's on there. That's Seriously. such a waste, though. That's such a waste, though. I'm, I'm not allowing for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> huh. Okay. Anyway, sorry. So sorry. okay. So water, but the, so how do we hang on a second? If water can clean it. How could 40% yeah. alcohol not clean it? So you're you're talking about, I think, more of pouring the alcohol to, uh, to kill off the bacteria from the effect of the alcohol itself. Mm -hmm. The reason you use fresh water is because you want to essentially flush that bacteria off the surface of the skin. You're not killing the bacteria. So you're using a lot of water. Yes. Yeah, so that's why you need to rinse it under the sink. 
And that's where the soap helps. Yes, soap can kill bacteria, but the other thing it does is from its surfactant action and creating bubbles, it makes a slippery enough surface to push that bacteria off the surface. So that's why you want to wash your fruits at a minimum with water. And then if it's something that's got a peel on it, like citrus, you want to use soap as well. Gotcha. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. From there. Yeah, so now now you've, <laughs> you've cleaned the outside of your fruit. Now you want to have at least a clean surface and, and a clean knife to, to cut it open. And then you're going to squeeze it. So you're going to put it into whatever container you have. Ideally, you're going to fill this container up all the way to the top and make sure there's no air in it. And the reason for that is that certain bacteria require oxygen to live. And so if you just deprive them of that oxygen because now your container has no air in it, that prevents at least those aerobic bacteria from forming. You can still have other bacteria still grow, but the aerobic kind aren't going to be able to have a hospitable environment to grow in your jar or your bottle. So now you've just put it in your container. And then you're going to put that container in the refrigerator and you're going to keep it cold because bacteria generally do not do well in cold environments as far as growing. And then you want to save that for maybe a few days. And I keep reading three days as, as how long fresh juice is going to last. I don't know where that came from. I could not find a single <laughs> randomized control trial that says that three days is going to be safe, whereas four days is going to be dangerous. Maybe I should be reading the agricultural literature, but three days is what I see. <laughs> It's from uh, it's from uh, Schoolhouse Rock. Oh, okay. From the seventies. <laughs> yeah. Three is the magic number. A man and a woman had a little baby. You don't remember that? <laughs> Come on, Lou. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. I wasn't alive. <laughs> okay, you're too young. Anyway, keep going. Hey, so so yeah. let me so let me ask you this, Ryan. Right, like so, I do a lot of um, uh, lacto fermentation here at home, where I'll I'll lacto ferment chili peppers for sometimes years, and what I'll do is I'll add a uh, a five percent brine to the uh, the chiles and then just cap them in a um, uh, relatively low air or no air um, mason jar. And it sounds a lot like what you're talking about. So I'm wondering, could you get more life out of your fresh squeezed juice if you added 5% salt by weight to it? Possibly. So the problem is, would that taste disgusting if you had that much salt now in your lime juice? Yeah. What the hell, oh, I- <laughs> Come on, you're, well, okay, using yeah, but... the, you're using this because it's sweet and beautiful and, 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 and untouched by the hand of, of humans. And you want to add but, a 5% yeah, brine many... solution? Oh, Lord. No, no, this no, is... no, not add a 5% brine. Literally, the, the fruit juice becomes the water in that 5% brine. So really, you're adding 5% salt. And when I think about cocktails, a lot of them have salt as an ingredient. You could basically sort of make a premix on your juice. Mm. Well, yeah, but there's not 5% salt. That's a pretty hefty amount of, of salt flavor in your cocktail if you've got yeah. 5% salt really? added to your juice. Yeah. Yeah, no, mm. like, I mean, it's an interesting thought, but I also think that there's a lot to the nuances of flavor of freshly squeezed juice when it's freshly squeezed. Like, uh, I... Like I, I think, as Ryan says, like you don't want to get to the three day mark because you maybe you're not killing your guests, but also the flavors that you care about are not going to be there after a day of a fit hmm. sitting that. Like you know, like so. The, what about freezing it? If you freeze it and you turn it into ice cubes, like does that does that make it last longer and does it kill any of the flavor? Yeah, I can't speak to the flavor, but sure, it would it would absolutely make it last longer. Now you've got ice cubes of lime juice and. Now you've got a completely inhospitable environment for bacteria to grow in a freezer. So sure, you can make it last longer. 
flavor wise might be a different story though man like this is why the united states it's 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 so broken sometimes in terms of food the frozen meal is it because of me the frozen meal like i remember the first time as a child that i ate a frozen meal and i thought these people are sick this doesn't taste like anything. There's nothing in here. So no, do not freeze your freshly squeezed juice and just make something that it's uh, ugly. So no, I don't, I don't it sounds Actually, it's, I'm, the more I think about it, it sounds kind of lovely to me to have like one of Michael Rubel's beautiful Palomas. And instead of ice in there, it's, it's frozen grapefruit juice. Well, so it just, as it melts, it just adds more grapefruitiness. The, the other problem with frozen dinner meals here in the United States is that they have a lot of added sodium to it. So you're talking like a gram or more of salt's been added to it. So you're, is that, is that, is that the 5% I'm talking uh, about? Or is yeah. it more than 5%? Yeah. I don't know how that converts to percentage wise, but there's, that's a, <laughs> a ton of sodium. We'll just say it that way. Huh. Yeah, but that, is, is that a preservative or is that for flavor? A little bit of both. Huh. Okay. I like that. Yeah. So that could still work for my lime juice. Okay. <laughs> Your lime juice is not a frozen chicken dinner. It's it's something that you want to enjoy. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, no, there's that. So there's I, that. I do have another question, Ryan. Uh, I think we're talking about a lot about how bartenders should take good care of the juice and the fruit, how to wash it. But as a consumer, when you go into a bar or when you're rural Mexico, which could be some of the red flags that you can see or, or that oh, you can damn. taste in order or to protect smell. yourself. In, yeah, or smell. smell in order to protect <laughs> yourself from having a three-day horrible experience with blo bloody diarrhea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, that'd be pretty unfortunate if you got dysentery from a bar in the United States. That I think that would immediately alert the health department if that's the case. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. So any food that smells off, there's a reason why your body is conditioned to not like bitter foods or or something that smells bad. And and because historically and evolutionarily speaking, that's because those were dangerous. And so, sure, if something smells off, you probably should not consume it. The Which is which is why on our road trips, uh, Chava has never consumed me. OK, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but as a consumer, a lot of times you, other than that, you don't really have a lot of things that you can do to verify the freshness of what you're about to ingest. That's why you have to essentially put your faith in the bar and whatever regulatory agency like the health department is telling them how to, to clean their equipment. That's all you've got to go off of. Otherwise, you're not going to know how old that juice is or how well prepared it is or if it's been pasteurized or had numerous other additives to it. God, can you? But will you even be able to tell that's got an off smell if it's if it's mixed with alcohol? Mm. Yeah, you may not be able to. So, and, and essentially, and that's why people continue to get food poisoning in the United States because they don't always know what they're about to eat until hours later they figure out the mistake. Jesus, oh. so do you think it'll be cool if you get a cocktail that you get a like a small pour of the juice they were using? <laughs> For you to evaluate at the side. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, I think that's like cool. Like, uh, I know it might be too expensive. I was talking with this woman that lives in Iceland. And she was telling me that she went to a restaurant and they were offering like uh, grapefruit juice with sparkling water. And she asked, can I only have the juice? And they said, like, if you're ready to pay $50 for the glass, you're, you can have it. But <laughs> we suggest you have it with sparkling water. But... Like, you know, if it's economically feasible, do you think it'll be cool just to have a little bit of the juice they're using into the cocktail for you to evaluate if it's really fresh? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, 
If I evaluate, you mean just kind of sniff it and see, does it seem off? Sure. The other option is you can bring a microscope to the bar and take a little sample and put it on a slide and then try to convince yourself more. Boy, I got to say, I think if Chava walked into a bar and saw a woman who had a microscope with her, that's oh, it. I'm... He's beelining over to her. <laughs> yeah, like that's it. Yeah, yeah. I don't need no more. Like, yes. Like, But, but don't. Say that on the Would you like too. to go to a beach wedding with me? <laughs> <laughs> no way. Okay, so uh, I don't know. Which other questions do we have? Is there any fruit that could be a bigger offenser? You know, like, is there is there something that can be more dangerous than others? You know, like... Yeah, yeah so tomatoes. So tomatoes are... The surface wow. of a tomato is, is very porous, meaning that there are a lot of little dimples in there that you can't see, but that are microscopic and at least large enough for bacteria to get into. And so for American travelers who are, are going to Latin America and South America, we usually say stay away from tomatoes because it's hard to clean a tomato. So oh, wow. if you if you throw the tomato, you chop up your tomato and you throw it into a bunch of chilies, is there yeah. anything in the chili that's going to protect the tomato? <laughs> like, will capsaicin... <laughs> I don't know. I'm serious. I don't know what the antimicrobial effects of capsaicin are. I only know that the effects on humans are are not too pleasant if you get too much of that. Huh. Okay. So. Huh. Okay. But but five percent salt. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, at this point, you're you're probably chopping up your tomatoes and heating them up as part of some kind of of stew or okay. soup, and and that heating action is going to kill off Ooh. the bacteria. Oh no no! I'm no. very specifically thinking of salsa. Oh okay, so you want it? You want essentially raw chilies and and raw tomatoes. Well, it, well, well, well again, like traveling around Mexico, yeah. you go to these little uh, these little roadside street taco whatchamacallits, and you're gonna find they have a, an open thing of onions and cilantro chopped together, and they're gonna have a bunch of different salsas, and the salsas oftentimes will be tomato based. Yeah, yeah, but a lot of them are, the tomato has been cooked before it gets integrated into a salsa. So the cooked, okay, so you've cooked your tomato and then it's sitting out at room temperature. When it, when it cools back down, doesn't that just attract all those bacteria that we were talking about before? Yeah, so once it comes back down to room temperature, that's when you have to start worrying about bacteria can start growing on your fruit or your vegetable or wherever. And so as from a, from a food safety standpoint, I can't answer that question as far as how much time do you have mm. when that tomato comes off the pot before it's dangerous. It's always going to be more dangerous or less dangerous than the lettuce. Uh, so, so lettuce has historically gotten a bad rap. Of course, there have been some problems here in the United States with, with uh, salmonella I, on lettuce. I, and I, so, I caught the pun, lettuce wrap. I, yeah. I, I don't know if anyone else caught that. Yeah. I just want to point that out. Lettuce wrap. Go ahead. <laughs> Got a bad rap. Go ahead. So I wouldn't say uh, that you can say that the uh, lettuce is going to be safer than the tomato. The The end result is if you're eating raw food in anywhere, but especially if you're not, if it don't, if there's not a cleaning mechanism and process like there is here in the United States for serving fruit in a grocery store, if you're just eating raw food from a street side vendor, you could potentially get in trouble doing that. Yeah. <laughs> get, get in trouble. <laughs> they have a lot of experience with that. <laughs> Trouble being defined as bloody diarrhea. Yep. And on oh, that, yeah. I think we can wrap this episode. We can wrap the Ouch. episode in Ouch. lettuce around some bloody diarrhea. Oh, Lord, you had to repeat it. Okay, yeah. yeah, we're done. We're good. Thank you very much again, Ryan. <laughs> this was very illuminating in so many ways. Cocktail MD, Ryan Acock. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. Thank you, guys. Hasta pronto. See you, Adios, adios. 
This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lou Bank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly, eat responsibly too, and listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.